might be helpful if I went over a couple things that we talked about last Sunday. Uh, someone commented that we covered an awful lot of ground last Sunday, and maybe it would be good to review just a little bit of it. So let me just do that very briefly, because there was one central concept that we discussed And I say we discussed because those of you who have been in my position, who have stood before an audience, know the unquestionable dialogue that takes place. And you change audiences and you can't say things that you said before. The concept that we spoke of, that to me seems so central in A Course in Miracles, is that we are not a victim of anything. No matter what direction the distress appears to come from, it comes only at our behest. Now, it, it doesn't appear to do that. It appears that uh, we are assaulted by policemen and relatives and weather and leaky roofs and overflowing toilets and all kinds of things. doesn't look as if we ask for any of that. So we merely begin with an intellectual understanding that this is what's taking place. Now one analogy that's been very helpful to me, possibly be helpful to you, is the analogy of, of our dream at night. At night, our mind divides itself into figures. This is very clear. So we have a particular state of mind. We go to sleep, and the mind divides itself into figures. And the figures represent the particular thoughts and moods that we had. Now, this is something that I know we've, we've discussed before. A Course in Miracles states that when you woke this morning, you merely passed from one dream to another, and that everything that took place in your dream last night, the dynamics of what took place, is exactly what is taking place today, as you go through the day. Uh, last night, I had a, I, I, I haven't had many dreams like this, but I have had them, and I assume that all of you have had a dream like this, in which I knew I was dreaming during the dream. How many people have had a dream which they knew they were dreaming during the dream? Okay. It gives you a great deal of control. You say, oh boy, you know, I'm dreaming this dream. Now how do I want it to go? And all of your your dirty, dirty thoughts come out in the dream, right? I can look at this audience and tell that's what happened. But there is that sense of control because we see uh, that we are the dreamer and that the dream is as we wish it to be. And so we ask ourselves the question, how do I wish this dream to be? Now, of course, the miracle simply states that this is equally 
our prerogatives as we go through the day. How do I want my relationship with my husband, with my wife, with my child to be? How do I want my job to go? How do I want to see the day as I go through the day? How do I wish it to be? Let me ask you to indulge me one more time. Ask you to close your eyes. And imagine how you would like this day to be. Imagine leaving this small room and imagine the contents of the day to come. See the people that you will encounter. And ask yourself, what tone do I wish those relationships to have? How, what kind of exchange do I want with these people? As I sit eating my meal, how do I want to feel? If I watch television, what do I wish my mood to be? And please do not place any limits. You're just asking yourself how you would like it to be. No limits. You can have all the light, and all the splendor, and all the beauty, and all the deep, meaningful communication that you wish. So wish it now. Okay, you can open your eyes now. This, incidentally, is an extremely effective uh, exercise to do in the morning. It's one suggested by A Course of Miracles. You simply ask yourself, what kind of day do you want? And the Course says, if you will make no decisions by yourself, it is the kind of day that you will have. Now, I told you uh, earlier that uh, my function in life is to be an ordinary person. Uh, I do that with no difficulty at all. And then to talk about my ordinariness. Write about it. And I know that if I can hear guidance, anybody can hear guidance. Someone was saying last night, uh, I was with a group of people, someone was saying uh, that, that, uh, that their priest had said, that I had a special gift, that I could hear guidance. Well, I, this I know is not true. Anyone can hear guidance. I had to work very hard, and Gail and I worked together on hearing guidance. It was not an easy thing for me to do in the beginning. But I know that it's possible for anyone to do it. I have, I, there's no one that I have worked with, even a little bit, that couldn't hear guidance. Now, A Course in Miracles says that all you have to do in order to have the kind of day you want, now this isn't the specific, this is different than planning the day. You're not planning specific events. You are seeing what kind of day you want, what kind of things you wish to happen, the kinds of exchanges. A Course in Miracles states all that's necessary for us to have that kind of day is to make no decisions by ourselves. 
So we begin with one decision, which is, I will make no more decisions by myself. And every time we find that we are trying to decide something, anything, that is our clue to stop that process. Turn to God and ask the answer. Now it doesn't matter whether or not you use the word God. You can say, turn to my deeper self, to my higher mind, to my intuition, to the peace within me, uh, to the collective unconscious, whatever. It doesn't matter what words you use, but you turn to that part of you which is so calm and is so kind and is unquestionably there and is so willing to give you the answer as to what will make you happy. Now, the answer that you receive will not necessarily satisfy an ego ideal or an ego goal. Uh, a couple of months ago, as the weather began to change in Santa Fe, we have uh, water that goes uh, down to our garden and to our chickens. And I asked if I was to turn off the water which meant going down to the well house. And it, was a, it wasn't real difficult, but it involved real time. And the answer was yes. I, I, I saw trying to decide, should I turn off the water now? The answer was yes. Went down to the well house, turned off the water. Then Gail came home. I said, uh, by the way, I turned off the water to the chickens and to the a garden. Incidentally, we take water down here during the winter. They they, they have water. <laughs> so she said, oh, but I need to water the garden one more time. So there I was back in the well house turning the water on here. And I said, Father, why did you tell me to turn on the water? And the answer was, because you think repeating things has some meaning. And I certainly did. I can't tell you how many times I thought that it had some meaning, that I had left something at the house, and now I was turning the car around and going back and getting it, or whatever else. This has nothing to do with anything. What does this have to do with the peace of God? What difference does it make how many times we, we, we retype the letter? It means nothing. It's just one of a million things we place importance on that has no importance whatsoever. So the answer you receive will not necessarily satisfy an ego goal or an ego ideal. You will not necessarily be told to get in a line at Safeway that moves the fastest. You, you may sit there and all the other lines are moving faster. And you say, oh, God, that couldn't have been God's answer. <laughs> As, uh, there's a woman in our grief group. Uh, someone asked her, do you believe in God? She says, oh, yeah, I believe in God, but I also believe he has pets and I'm not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we think that God's going to put us in the line that's going to move the fastest. And we think this is the meaning of the universe. To do that has nothing to do with that. What I can promise you is that as you follow, as you begin to listen to your 
inner guidance, as you began to take the risk of going ahead and following it and not judging the results, you will have all the proof you could ever ask for that this is not wishful thinking or random thoughts or ego or something else. It, it just isn't. It becomes so apparent so quickly. So let me give you a couple of rules that I've found to be helpful. The first one is wait until the decision can be acted on. If we ask our inner guide, our inner self, God, what we should do, and we're not in a position to act, we are not asking what we should do. We are asking God to relieve our anxiety about the decision. A Course in Miracles says, do not ask God to remove your fear. Why? Because fear is a symptom. And what the Course in Miracles and every other spiritual program is attempting to do is to bring about a fundamental, deep fundamental change. And when that happens, the fear will evaporate. But the fear is a signal that there has been no fundamental change. So if we wake up in the middle of the night and wonder if we should divorce this person or if we should change jobs or if we should uh, call a plumber tomorrow or whatever else is uh, on our mind, should we take this dog to the pound? This dog has proved it's no good. <laughs> now, if we, if we do that, we are not asking God to make the decision because we can't. We can't take the dog to the pound in the middle of the night. We're asking God to relieve our anxiety about it. So the answer you, you will receive will do no more than that. It will simply relieve your anxiety a little bit. And it may be different than the answer you will receive when the time comes to act. And this can be very confusing. And it's completely unnecessary. And it has nothing to do with living in the present. It has nothing to do with the one thing that has meaning. And that is the peace of God this instant. Nothing else but the peace of God this instant has any meaning. I may have told you about the uh, minister from Jamaica who sat in on uh, a meeting that uh, Jerry Jampolsky and I had with the parents of the murdered children in Atlanta. Her name is Reverend, Reverend Weeks. And we opened the meeting. There were several parents there that we hadn't met with before. And she asked if she could speak first. And here was one black woman talking to a room full of primarily black mothers, all of whom had, whose children had been murdered. And, and most of whom the papers had accused of negligence uh, and even of murdering the children themselves. I don't know if you remember that. That was actually a charge put forth by supposedly an FBI agent in Washington. Papers picked it up. And she talked for about uh, 15 minutes on forgiveness. Now, Jerry and I 
being white, being in that situation, could never have talked to those people about forgiveness. We hadn't had our child murdered. We didn't know what it was like to live in, the, in possibly the poorest section of this country. People living in abandoned homes with no water, no toilets, nothing, no heat. Well, she was there for about three or four days, and, and there was a constant stream of people that went to see her. And do you know what the advice was that she gave everyone, no matter what their problem was? Immerse yourself totally in God. She said in this marvelous accent. Immerse yourself totally in God. Yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. Immerse yourself totally in God, no matter what the problem was. Now, if our mind is occupied with what we should do, uh, what changes should be made, if we're trying to control what we see, if we are trying to control whatever we see, how can we immerse ourselves in God? Our happiness lies in the future. There's something that has to be done first. And 90% of our activity is precisely that. We are engaged in considering what should be done. Or we're going back and activating some scene in the past and considering what we should have done. Same thing. The ego doesn't care what you do. As long as you don't remember now, as long as you don't immerse yourself totally in God. But every time we immerse ourselves totally in God, or every time we at least try to do that, we take a gentle step forward. So one way to free our mind is to make no decisions by ourselves. We wait until the decision can be acted on. We simply turn to God and say, what would you have me do? You decide. You will receive the answer in some way. Keep working at it. It has already come. You've already felt it or heard it or seen it. it. It came to you in some way. It will probably come to you in a way that it will not come to other people. It is just one of a thousand ways it is coming to you. It doesn't matter what way you focus on, take that particular way and act on it. And don't look back. And it is if the volume of God's voice will be turned up. <clears throat> the second thing is that we acknowledge our projections. And this was the thing that we talked about last Sunday. Is that we layer people over with our judgments. We don't see them. We change the form of what we think is our own mistake, what we think has meaning. We plaster this all over everyone. And that's what we see and that's what we, rea we react to. And the ego does this simply so that it can relieve itself of a little of its guilt. It simply pushes its guilt out on someone else. So no matter what direction the distress appears to be coming from, having now set aside all decisions about it, you can now look at the distress rather than trying to decide how you're going to get rid of it. Because you're not going to decide how to get rid of it. You will simply do what you're told to do. This frees your mind to simply look at the distress. 
looking at the distress, you can say to yourself, even if there is no evidence of this, you can say to yourself and know that it is true. I have requested this. And that was a mistake. I don't need to punish myself. And I will not hold this person guilty. And I have been given the means of my release. And that is, if I forgive what I have projected onto others, then I release that same self-condemnation within me. Now this is such a central concept that we'll probably return to it a number of times in the uh, seven years it will take us to go to A Course in Miracles. Uh, but now, let's turn to the principles of miracles. For those of you who are here for the first time, this is what we're going through in the text. And today, uh, we're going to do... Then next week we will do 41 through 50. So I'll go through these fairly quickly, and uh, we'll discuss them a little bit as we as we go through. Number 30 states. We touched on this a little bit last time. By recognizing spirit, Miracles adjust the levels of perception and show them in proper alignment. What are the levels of perception? Well, the way we think they are is there's the world out there. So this is the big, this is the big source of everything. It's the world, this world. Then there's our body, and then there's us. So that's the way it appears to operate. First the world, then our body, then us. Now, that's the way we think everything's lined up. A Course in Miracles and every other spiritual teaching says, no, it may appear to be operating that way, just as it appears to operate that way in a dream. It appears that we are, we're, we are, we are in someone else's dream at night. It appears that we are uh, a character in someone else's novel at night. We're just sort of tossed around by the event. We wake up and we say, no. I was the dreamer of the dream. Now that is a rearranging of the levels of perception. We, we understand that the that what causes everything is our decision. It begins with our mental state, our mental decision. This then is reflected outward to our body, to our immediate relationships, and to the world. So miracles adjust the levels of perception and show them in proper alignment and this place is spirit at the center where it can communicate directly. Miracles should inspire gratitude, not awe. You should thank God for what you really are. Now we have here in the beginning of this text 50 principles of miracles. I don't know how many of you have studied this, but if you were like me, you went through them looking for what you should do. What should I do? What's my part, you see? 
This is the only thing that's directly stated that we should do. In all 50 of these principles, nothing else is directly stated. You should thank God for what you really are. Would you say that with me? Let's, let's say it this way. I should thank God for what I really am. Would you say that with me, please? I should thank God for what I really am. So let's do that now. Please, with me, close your eyes. Please allow yourself to remember something gentle about yourself, something kind, something that you did recently that made someone laugh, that, re that lifted the burden just a little bit. That is what you are. You are the love that did that. You are the kindness that did that. You are the light that brightened their eyes. Let's thank God together for what we really are. Keeping open your eyes. The children of God are holy, and the miracle honors their holiness, which can be hidden but never lost. Number 32. I inspire all miracles which are really intercessions. They intercede for your holiness and make your perceptions holy. By placing you beyond the physical laws, they raise you into the sphere of celestial order. In this order, you are perfect. So that's how healing takes place. I inspire all miracles, says Jesus. I inspire all miracles. So what is our part? To simply not defend ourselves. Not defend ourselves against it. It's an intercession, but it's a continual intercession. It, it doesn't come and go. It's always there. Our part is to let ourselves be happy. I would rather be right than be happy. There's the ego. And we spend most of our time being right. We are right that they should have... Uh, uh, several of us went over to uh, uh, Pink Adobe. There's a party of seven. There were six of us there. They wouldn't seat us until there were seven. We had to sit there until there were seven. There were only six. I'm sure probably the owner of the Pink Adobe is sitting out here. I shouldn't be saying anything. But. So we spent a lot of time being right. They shouldn't. This, this just shouldn't happen. If they don't see this right away, we're never coming back to this restaurant and so forth. What did that accomplish? What does that have to do with the, with, the, with the poor guy who's standing there, who's this is he's just following the orders that he's thinking, What do we know this what, what do we know about the history behind this this rule? What possible benefit can flow from this of standing there and being right and telling each other how right we are and how wrong the restaurant is? <laughs> Nothing can come of that.
miracles honor you because you are lovable. Will you say that with me? <laughs> Please say, I am lovable. I am lovable. You don't believe that, do you? <laughs> You're remembering all the shitty things that you've done. <laughs> they dispel illusions about yourself and perceive the light in you. Miracles do that. Miracles do that. They're intercessions. <coughs> I bet you thought you had to do that, didn't you? I bet you thought you had to see that you were lovable. That's why it's so impossible. I mean, we can spend three years on the Nautilus equipment, and we're still not going to think we're lovable. We can wear the tight t-shirts and everything, and we're not going to think we're lovable. Because someone walks in the room, and their t-shirt is, is tighter, and they've been working out four years on the Nautilus equipment, and they're much more lovable. <laughs> we thought we had to do it. We thought we had to dress ourselves so it would be lovable. Uh, we had to have funny stories to tell. We had to have interesting facts to pepper our conversation with. Miracles are intercessions from our deeper self, our inner self, our God self, from God. In order to see that we're lovable, all we have to do is not defend ourselves against seeing that. Not defend ourselves against seeing that. Would you practice that with me now? Let's close our eyes just for a few seconds. See if you can drop all your defenses against seeing that you're lovable. Just see if you can drop your defenses and see that there is indeed a light within you. This very instant, it glows. Just feel them fall away. All your defenses, all the things you've told, all the curses you've uttered against your hair and your nose and your skin and your feet and your the odor of your shoes and, and your expanding waistline and your chubby thighs and everything else and the pimples and the oily nose and everything. Just drop it. Let it just drop it. Just feel it tinkling. Hear it tinkling. All these, these defenses as they just drop off and you see that the light of God shines in you now. They thus atone for your errors by freeing you from your nightmares. They atone for your errors. Of course, in America says, anyone who thinks that he has to atone does not understand atonement. If we think we have to atone, we don't understand atonement. There's nothing for us to do. Even the Master himself said, I of my own self can do nothing. Why callest thou me good? I can't do anything. Anything, anything, anything. We can't do anything. So every time we try to do something, we defend ourselves against what we are. And we see our fallibility, or what we think is our fallibility. Because we reserve this one little area of our life 
this little area which, which we think we have expertise. We don't need to consult God about that area. We know how to do that. By releasing your mind from the imprisonment of your illusions, they restore your sanity. Miracles restore the mind to its fullness. Miracles restore the mind to its fullness. I think that was the topic that was put in the paper of our lesson. Miracles restore the mind. Let me give you a tell let me tell you a story about miracles restoring the mind. <clears throat> there was an undercover FBI agent, a woman, who was walking to the bus at six thirty in the morning. At this particular time of year it was pitch black. And she had to have a skirt on because of the appointment that she had. This is good news for rapists. A skirt. Because rapists aren't very industrious. They're not gonna they're not gonna sit there and hassle with getting a pair of blue jeans off. Especially if they're Calvin Klein's and they fit like they do in the ads. You know, that that's gonna take a lot of time. So one of the first criterions, does she have a skirt? Oh, yes, she had a skirt. She had her purse in one hand. I know you're going to think this is a setup. It's actually true. She had a set of A Course in Miracles in the other hand. This man grabbed her from behind. Started dragging her toward the ravine. Now... She's an undercover agent for the FBI. She's been trained in martial arts. She did what she was trained to do. She reached for his groin. Isn't that what the FBI teaches you to do? To see where to hit him. Started to hit him there. There was a miracle. There was a natural expression of love. That's what a miracle is. It's just simply an expression of love. There's, there's no end to them. They don't come and go. They're always there. She allowed herself to hear it. We can always allow ourselves to hear it. The miracle, the voice of God, the intercession, which never ceases, said to her, don't hit it. Say to him, God loves you. God forgives you. I love you. I forgive you. So she starts saying this to the man as he drugged her a considerable distance. She said she just couldn't believe the ravine was so far off. She kept dragging her and dragging her and dragging her. She kept saying, God loves you, God forgives you, I love you, I forgive you. Got the ravine, threw on her back. She said she looked up at the sky. She said there appeared a lovely circle of light directly above them, very soft in its glow. She said she looked into that light and she felt peace as she had never felt it before. Well, he couldn't get an erection. And he did, in disgust, he had to give up this thing, you know. And so he took her purse. He had to have something. You know. <laughs> Ran off, 
She called uh, the police. The officer came out and started writing up the report. Suddenly he closed his book and he said, Lady, I'm not going to write this report. He said, You can't say to a rapist, I love you, I forgive you. <laughs> Someone called, found her purse the next day. Everything was in it, including her credit cards, except for the cash. There had been a rape in that part of the city. Every other week, for months, every one of the women had been brutally beaten. There was never a rape after that. Rape stopped. That's the intercession. If she had done that as a technique, it would not have worked. Something new. What the rapist needed to hear. Let me tell you one other story. This is a woman who lives in New Mexico. She's driving across country. She had her boy, who at that time was one year old. She had him in a crib. She's in a motel. She woke up in the middle of the night, and there was a man standing over her. And as soon as he saw her open her eyes, he fell on her, and he put his cheek next to hers. And he said, uh, said, you and I are going to have a good time. He said, I've been watching you all day. And suddenly she remembered that there was a construction crew across uh, the road. She'd been coming and going all day long. There was a miracle. There was an intercession. Miracles, intercessions, never cease. They do not come and go. It depends merely on our willingness to open our heart. To hear them. They are always there. One unequivocal call for help is always answered. That is more reliable than death and taxes. She heard that she was to say to him, You don't really want to do this. He said, Oh, yes, I do. I've been watching you. I, I, yes, I do. He said, no, you don't really want to do this. He said, well, he said, uh, this would be my first time. He said, you don't want to start now. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you will get up, I promise you, I will not call the police and I will not report this. If you'll just leave now. Now, all this time, his cheek was right beside her. He was laying right on top of her. She had a blanket and she had a sheet. They were laying on her. This whole conversation was going on. He said, well, okay. He didn't ask her, was she telling the truth? He knew she was telling the truth. He knew she had no intention of hurting him. Left the apartment. Then, as so often happens when we've been protected, she became terrified, absolutely terrified. She <laughs> fell on her bed and she was just shaking and everything. And in a few minutes, the phone rang. And it was this man. He said, uh, I've got all your money. She said, no, you don't. In the meantime, she had gotten up and she had latched the door. She said, no, no, you don't. He said, yes, go look in your purse. So for the first time, she turned on the light and when she did, she saw these muddy footprints all over the room. 
Evidently, he had been in there for some time, and she didn't know it. She looked in her purse, and sure enough, her money was gone. She went back to the phone. He said, I just want to return it. She said, oh, I'm not going to let you back in. He said, that's all right. He said, just latch the door, open it in the crack, and I'll hand you your money. Which he did. And went away. That's the miracle. That's the intercession. That's the gentle power that transforms. <clears throat> Miracles restore the mind. These principles say that if a miracle does not occur, something has gone wrong. By atoning for lack, they establish per perfect protection. By atoning for lack, they establish perfect protection. The spirit's strength leaves no room for intrusions. The spirit's strength leaves no room for intrusions. Gentleness is the answer to any call for help. When we answer any call for help with gentleness, all of the power of this universe, all the power of God is with us. And it, no one loses. No one loses when that happens. Miracles are expressions of love, but they may not always have observable effects. Miracles are expressions of love, but they may not always have observable effects. But they may not always have observable effects. Would you say that with me, please? But they may not always have observable effects. We believe that we're supposed to control our lives with our knowledge of God. There's supposed to be observable effects, and we know what effects they're supposed to be. We do not have to heal our bodies. We do not have to demonstrate a new car. We do not have to demonstrate a relationship because we've been divorced now for seven years. It's about time God did something about that. We don't have to demonstrate uh, an obedient child. All we have to do as Reverend Weeks has said, is immerse ourselves totally in God. The only thing that we need to do is to seek the peace of God this instant. That's all we need to do. Now, we do it in context so that if we're sick and if that is blocking our experience of the peace of God, then we must experience the peace of God in that context. And very often there will be a physical healing. But there isn't always a physical healing. And if our creditors are knocking down our door, and uh, people are announcing at Connie's over the loudspeaker, put up that woman's groceries. Her checks bounce. This happened to, <laughs> this happened to you know who very recently. <laughs> Uh, if that 
is the context, then that is the place in which we experience the peace of God. Right there. It may very well be that, that we'll have money. But we may not have money. The thing may straighten out without money. That is the only response. What do you do? <coughs> Someone in the, in the audience has asked, if someone, if you're if you're in a, in the movie, and uh, the man behind you is kicking your chair, what do you do? Immerse yourself totally in God. What do you do if he's not kicking your chair? Immerse yourself totally in God. That's the only thing there is to do. That takes care of everything else. If there is a decision to make, should I speak to him, should I move to another chair, if that question even enters your mind, immediately you turn over to God. You may be told to do something that you never uh, thought of. You may playfully toss popcorn back in. <laughs> I don't know what you'll be told to do. <laughs> Miracles are examples of right thinking. Aligning your perceptions with truth as God created. Miracles are correction. Introduced into false thinking by me. It acts as a catalyst, breaking up erroneous perception and reorganizing it properly. Now, a lot of people have trouble with this by me. Introducing to false thinking by me. Miracles are an intercession. Uh, a miracle is a universal blessing from God through me, and so forth. Ah, people say, ah, you need something between you and God. Not so. Our deeper self, our higher mind, the love within us, the peace within us, the presence of God manifests itself in the way that it is most helpful for us to experience it. And someone can literally appear before you. How many people have had that experience? in which someone has appeared before you and smiled at you or given you a message or something. I know that this may be a little embarrassing. Would you raise your hands? Twelve people. Thirteen people. That's how personal it can be. It can be as personal as a child that has been dead for five years, kissing you on the cheek and relieving your grief. It could be as personal as a daughter who was raped and murdered, appearing at the end of your bed and saying, Mommy, I'm okay. It's those boys who are in prison who are suffering. It could be that personal. It could be as personal as your little boy coming up behind you and tickling your head like that because that's what he always used to do. Even though his body was just drugged out of the river. 
in Atlanta, Georgia. And you feel this little tickle on your head and your grief is gone. Just like that. There is no question. You don't have to argue this. You know what you've experienced. That's the by me. That's how personal it can be. It acts as a catalyst, breaking up erroneous perception and reorganizing it properly. This places you under the atonement principle, where perception is healed. Until this has occurred, knowledge of the divine order is impossible. 38. The Holy Spirit is the mechanism of miracles. He recognizes both God's creations and your illusions. He separates the true from the false by his ability to perceive totally rather than selectively. That is the coming of the miracle. A total perception rather than a narrow focusing on a problem. The miracle dissolves error because the Holy Spirit identifies error as false or unreal. This is the same thing as saying that, but by, that by perceiving light, darkness automatically disappears. Number 40, the miracle acknowledges everyone as your brother and mine. It is a way of perceiving the universal mark of God. That's an unusual phrase used a number of times in the Course in Miracles. The mark of God. Let me ask you to close your eyes just for a second. And with as much honesty as you can muster, please notice the mark that you have placed on your friends and the people that you know. What mark have you stamped their face with, their tone of voice, their habit, their lifestyle? Look at that, please, just for a moment. Do they deserve to lose because of this mark? Okay, you can open your eyes. Now let's do the, the lesson, and uh, then we'll, we're going to sing a real hymn. We're going to have a real piano accompaniment. I do not understand anything I see in this room. Apply this idea in the same way as the previous ones, without making distinctions of any kind. Whatever you see becomes a proper subject for applying the idea. Be sure that you do not question the suitability of anything for application of the idea. These are not exercises in judgment. Anything is suitable if you see it. Some of the things you see may have emotionally charged meaning for you, Try to lay aside such feelings and merely use these things exactly as you would anything else. The point of the exercises is to help you clear your mind of all past associations. To see things exactly as they appear to you now and to realize how little you really understand about them. It is therefore essential that you keep a perfectly open mind, unhampered by judgment, 
and selecting the things to which the idea for the day is to be applied. For this purpose, one thing is like another, equally suitable and therefore equally useful. So those of you who haven't done the first two lessons with us, the way this is applied is you simply begin with the things that are immediately around you, looking at the things that are immediately around you, and then you extend outward, and you take each thing that your eyes rest on, whatever it is, without, select, without selecting what those are, and you say, I do not understand uh, this vest. I do not understand this mirror. I do not understand uh, this light. I do not understand this exit sign. I do not, whatever it may be. You just, you just look around and say that. Now, let me remind you that the introduction to this states that there's a good possibility that you will not see the reason for doing this, that you may feel an active resistance to doing this. But the Course says if you will simply do it, you will receive the benefits. And what I can tell you is that eventually you will see the profound significance of these seemingly very <coughs> innocuous little exercises. So you don't have to try to understand why you don't understand. Just apply the idea. So do that with me now. Begin with the things near you, stand outward, and say, I do not understand this, I do not understand that, whatever it may be. Just going to do that for about a minute. Do it slowly and unhurriedly. <laughs> 